Entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know that idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why it's funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. Glad to have you with us on this hot, 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 hot Tuesday. A lot of hot takes today as well, too. A little terrible Tuesday. Plenty to vent about. But it is the All-Star Game. And I always like the All-Star Game of all of the All-Star sports. I like the All-Star Game. Of all the sports All-Star competitions, you prefer Major League Baseball is the best. I do. I do. I do. And I've, I've waned a little bit on the NBA All-Star Game. Gave up on the Pro Bowl a long time ago. Do like the WNBA All Star Game, especially this year because they're playing Team USA. Like I, li- I, li- I like the NHL All Star Game now. Now that it's the three on three, it's just it's nonstop excitement. And I know yeah. that's quirky and it's yeah. different, but yeah. it's an exhibition. It's supposed to be, and they're not afraid to say we're an exhibition. Right, right, right. So, Major League Baseball All Star Game tonight. Check it out, five o'clock. Except a lot of stars are saying, "Nah, I'll pass. I'm injured." We have managers calling other managers saying, hey, can you not play my guy? So, yeah, we'll dive all into that. So, today. wait, so, so we've gone from a world of everybody must play, and that's why we have to have a tie in a game one, one year to now, hey, I know he's on the team, but don't play my dude, okay? Yeah. And Major League Baseball, of course, has always gone out of their way to, like, okay, we have to have at least one representative for every team, even, even if they're, they are the Arizona Diamondbacks like this year. I, I, I remember back when Steve Swisher was the catcher, the only representative from the Cubs because they had to have somebody. I believe he was hitting like 226 or something. <laughs> Cubs had quite, quite a few players, especially catchers back in those days like that. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Swisher was no Randy Hundley, let me tell you that. No, no, he was not. Oh, that's funny. All right, uh, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, he is going to join us next hour as we talk the travesty, as we call Team USA, the USA men's national basketball team, 0-2. They lose again last night They're to Australia. Pacing themselves. They're pacing themselves. And they got game number three coming up here today at 3 o'clock in the afternoon against Argentina. Go ahead. I know you're going to say something. Go ahead. You're going to make a soccer reference, aren't you? Is Messi going to be the leading scorer? Messi, Messi, <laughs> Messi, Messi. <laughs> Steve Sachs will join us. It is the All-Star Game today in Colorado, so of course we will talk to Saxy, get his thoughts. I'm sure he probably is not as crazy about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, but uh, we'll get his thoughts. And uh, also talk about his new podcast, Sacks in the Morning. We'll find out if he's tired out uh, this afternoon after having sex in the morning. Yeah, there he is. I think he had his <laughs> debut for Sacks in the Morning uh, this morning, so... We'll dive all into that. All right, so where do we start? Where do we go? It's Terrible Tuesday. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, the Home Run Derby is kind of a fun idea, right? But like so many other of these specialty type of events, it's really not thought out properly. 
Okay, and I know a lot. Of, I know I do. I do this. I'll go a little overboard and I'll kind of overthink things. That's because I want things the right way. And I got to believe that there are people in Major League Baseball and these other sports, when they try to, to put something together like this, they say, okay, let's, let's do this the right way. Let's take into consideration the players, the fans, you know, the television aspect, all that. I get that. But I'm watching the Home Run Derby again last night. It reminded me why I'm not such a big fan of this. All right, so let's first start with the format. Okay, you've got eight guys. I'm okay with that. You want to split them up. You want to go for American League, for National League. Okay, I'm fine with that. But here's where I have the problem with. And I'll get to more of the format here in a minute. The clock. There is no place for a clock in the sport of baseball. Like I've said time and time again. No clock anywhere in the game. Get rid of the clock. So what do they do? They put three minutes on the clock. And so they can hit as many home runs as they possibly can. But here's the problem with the clock. First of all, three minutes is a pretty long time. And just when we think that the three minutes is up, it's not up. They keep going. Because they get a bonus, so they add more time. It's like soccer. It's like when we think it's over, it's not really over. So the three minutes to begin with is way too long. And it is so long that we're seeing these guys get tired out that they have to institute the timeout. There's another thing. I mean, there is no timeout professional wrestling. Who said that? You remember that, right? Well, there's a lot of sports that they say it in. They say it in boxing no, and in wrestling. Re- and- famous wrestling announcer, yeah. The famous Gorilla Monsoon used to say, there's no timeout in professional wrestling. Why is he calling a timeout? Well, there is no timeout in baseball, especially in a home run derby contest. Are you kidding me? So this thing was dragging on and on and on with the clock. But here's the other bad part is the head-to-head thing. Now, this is ridiculous. And this is an obvious problem that it's right in front of you. I mean, the clock is bad enough, but someone is going to get to advance that doesn't deserve to advance when you go head-to-head. And that problem, again, is right in front of you. You know you're going to incur that when you decide that you've got to go head-to-head. Example, first round last night, Alonzo hits 35 dingers. Salvador Perez for the Royals hits 28. Sorry, Salvi. You hit the second most of all the competitors. You would have beat out seven other guys, but you're eliminated over the top rope. So if he faces anyone else in the entire competition, Salvi's advancing may win it all. You've got Trey Mancini, 24 homers. You got Olsen for the A's with 23. You got Trevor Story of the Rockies got 20. And Las Vegas is Joey Gallo, 19. But no, Mancini advanced. Story advanced. And then, of course, we get to the Otani situation. All right, so then you have to go. You got Soto and Otani. And it cracks me up how they seed these guys like like one and eight. Like there's a a real big difference. So you saw Otani. He's a great hitter. But I think the first nine or ten were all line drives. And he couldn't get the ball up in the air. Finally, he caught fire. And what happened? We had to go to overtime. I guess there is no overtime in baseball, right? So we had to go to extra innings. We had to go to an additional two, three rounds of this. And both of these guys are gassed at this point in time. So again, the whole thing took way too long. Of course, it went way longer than the two hours they had bracketed for. So they went into the next show, which I'll get into in a minute, that was on ESPN after that. So if you were recording this, you ran out of time. 
But why can't they learn from their other sports? Major League Baseball, just take a cue from the NBA. Look what the NBA does with their All-Star Weekend with the three-point shootout. What do they do? Do they go head-to-head? Of course they don't. They take the top guys and they advance to the final, as it should be, so you don't have this screwball situation. Even the slam dunk contest, as goofy as that gets, you still have the top guys that advance. The top scores, yeah. The top scores advance. But Major League Baseball, head-to-head, why? Clock, why? I'm sick of this. Your turn. Maybe they do it all for gambling purposes. I don't know what the head-to-head is. You know, in golf they have head-to-head Don't you agree it's stupid, though? Well, yes, I do whole, agree it's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. It's, it's, it's basically like, okay, these two guys are going in this round, but it's still accumulated home runs that make it. So two guys from the same round can advance, so you don't have that situation where the guy who it's the second most home runs <laughs> is eliminated after the first round. That is incredibly stupid. No doubt about that. The other thing that I do find kind of funny and ironic and you've said it several times, oh, well, they're all gassed by the time they're at the end. And I'll tell you what, if I had Alonzo, I'm worried about that. That At first round he had, I'm thinking, well, is, can this guy sustain? Is Can he really win the whole thing? Because we've seen guys do that before. They gas themselves and burn themselves out. But they're so gassed, and yet they show them when they're not hitting and they're getting ready for the next round, and they're down in the batting cages taking more swings. Right. I'm so gassed that I need to go down. And I understand you need it to keep your timing going and all that, but I'm so gassed I can't swing a baseball bat, so let me go down and warm up by swinging my baseball bat. And on that note, did you see what Alonzo was doing? He was hitting the ball off a tee. You can't get any, any arc on, on hitting off a tee. You're hitting line drives off of a tee. I mean, what is this? Why are, you, why are you in the cage, number one? Because I guess he had to wait a half hour for the overtime with Otani and Soto. But you're hitting off of a tee? That's insane. How, how does that help you in a home run derby hitting I, off a tee? I don't know, but he won, so maybe it's not so insane. Maybe I, the other guys need to do it as well. <laughs> but no, I always find that funny. It's like, oh, they're so gassed by this round, and there they are. They're taking more swings. It's like... Well, what are they going to do? Why don't you put the donut on the bat? Make it a little bit heavier. Get a little it, bit more gas. It's not that hard to figure out. I mean, Major League Baseball, again, they get in their own way of this stuff. Good concept. Good idea. Home run derby. But I don't know about you, but I find myself really bored with this competition about 20 or 30 minutes into it. And then even the crowd is bored because you don't hear them go, whoa, with the home run shots. Because there are so many, and they come so and it, so often, and it's round after round after round. And again, mark my words tonight, because I, I started charting this the last couple years. Guys that go deep into the home run derby, they don't perform well the next night. They don't. I mean, Ot- Otani- sometimes they have the slow start after the offset yeah. break for a week or so. Yeah. Sometimes it'll yeah. throw up. It'll throw off their timing. I mean, because they're trying to elevate everything. Yeah. They're not doing their normal swing. But how many swings did Otani take just in one round of competition last night? How many uh, swings did Alonzo take in his three plus rounds? I mean, it- it's insane. So, yeah, that that made me sick. And I, I don't know if that was as bad as what followed. And that was the Celebrity Softball Contest, where they are playing there at Coors Field with these so-called celebrities. And, you know, you had some football players and some retired baseball players and then, of course, some YouTubers and some singers and all that other kind of nonsense. Okay, did see Jenny Finch. I thought that was pretty cool. And she, uh, you know, threw a couple about 70 miles an hour, too. That was fine. But here's the problem with this, is that you're playing on a baseball field, so you got throw-down bases on the grass. You're not allowing any players to wear any cleats 
because you don't want to mess up the field. We don't want to mess up the field. Well, they don't want it looking like Wimbledon because then they know you complain about that. Okay, but here's the deal. <laughs> you got everybody slipping. Every player is slipping on the grass while they're trying to to go around first or second base. Without cleats on. Right. Or, exactly, because they're in tennis shoes, and then they're playing the outfield, which is really the infield. You know what I'm saying? Right, because they put up the little mini wall. Right, right. The little, little snow fence, as Chris Bosio says, 200 feet away. So they're slipping and sliding with the tennis shoes on the uh, the infield, which really hasn't been watered down at all. It was ridiculous how many of these guys are, are sliding all over the place. And it's just injuries waiting to happen. And I don't think that Vaughn Miller, you know, and the Denver Broncos or you know, want a a player of his stature getting hurt in a softball game. Lawsuits are waiting to happen here. So I don't understand again why they are doing this. How much would it take to take a base and just nail it down or put it or put a portable thing down there? Secure so, it in the ground. Secure it in the grass. Is that really going to affect the All-Star game 24 hours later? I mean, if you're going to do this or just forget the whole damn thing, which I'm fine with as well, or go play at a local high school or a park that's regulated for softball, or how about this? Just let them wear the cleats. And I'm not talking steel cleats. You know, just, you know. The multi-purpose stuff. It's not going to tear up the field. Well, let the football players wear their football shoes. Let them all wear that. I mean, yeah, yeah they could wear something. But they've been doing it like this forever. I know. You always see somebody trying to slide into the base, or when they stop on the base and then the base slips from under them, they, you know, they do a butt plant where they fall on that. But they've been doing this forever. And yet you got to do it at Coors Field because it's got to be the park where everything's happening. Yeah. And sometimes, like you say, the, you look at the celebrities and go, really? Boy, that, that word is thrown around kind of loosely these days. How about Quavo? Quavo, Jojo uh, Suiva, Siva, you know who Jojo is? I remember this because uh, my daughter used to watch uh, Dance Moms back in the day. Jojo was, a, was one of the kids on Dance Moms. That, what, get, that what, gives Jojo the right to play softball. And Jojo was wearing a Cubs shirt. Was Quavo one of the dips that they used for the tortillas or something? Steve Ioki, your, your, your DJ producer here in, in Vegas. Noah Beck. How's that? Charles Melton. Yeah. We got some real biggies there, don't we? For the Major League Baseball All-Star game, that's their list? This was last night, the softball I didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that was your list. And, and I also didn't watch all of the home run derby. I got a channel yeah. surf on and off that stuff. Well, I just can't guess what? You didn't miss nothing. <laughs> that's a little word sounding. I think it's your turn. I think the record scratch got scratched. <laughs> hey, you know what's worse than getting pulled over and getting a DUI? I don't know. J. Ron Kirst was recently driving his car. He got uh, pulled over, former NFL football player. And as he's getting pulled over by the police, former um, Minnesota Viking player, as he's getting his DUI ticket, his former teammate, NFL cornerback Mike Hughes, was in the car with him. And as he's getting arrested for a DWI, Mike Hughes is on video as the police are arresting Kirst. And he's blowing chunks onto and into the car that he's getting the DUI for. So talk about insult to injury. As you're getting a DUI and you're about to go to jail, the guy that you're driving around, who's probably more drunk than you because you were the one driving, and he's blowing chunks in your car while this is happening. (laughs) That is just not a good day. Oh, and at least... It's all captured on video, and you can check it out at TMZ Sports if you want to see Mike Hughes blowing chunks into the car. His curse is getting handcuffed and 
arrested for the DWI. Not interested in that uh, video. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. Actually, I'd Would probably... you rather watch that than the Home Run Derby all over again? <laughs> Parts of the Home Run Derby, yes. Uh, you know, Yes, I would. But, it's a lot shorter. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> UFC 264, here we go again. McGregor and Poirier 3, the doctor stoppage at the end of the first round. We talked about that. Conor McGregor breaking his ankle. We talked about that. Poirier dominated the fight. We talked about that. The post-fight theatrics, yes, we talked about that. But the nonsense does continue as it does sound like Dana White really wants to give this clown a fourth fight against Dustin Poirier. There is no need for a fourth fight. We have seen domination by Poirier in the last two fights. And yes, even though it was one round, it was five minutes. It was a fight. It was a domination in that fight. It didn't matter if Conor McGregor didn't break his ankle or what. He was going to lose that fight, probably lose it badly. We don't care what McGregor was saying uh, that, uh, oh, that's second round. You know, would have been this and that. And again, you know, McGregor is sitting there talking about, you know, being humble. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's settled down a little bit. He's in the hospital. He just had surgery. Maybe he's come to his senses. And like, okay, Connor, you just really blew the whole thing the night afterwards when you wanted to talk about Poye's, what, wife, uh, you're calling her these names, saying that you're calling her a hoe and all this other Basically stuff. Basically saying she should come out and hook up with him and his after party and yeah. everything else. She's looking mighty fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Then yesterday from the hospital, he's you know basically saying, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm on the men back this that." But then he's going back to the last 15 seconds, uh, ripping on Poye, which we played on the show yesterday again. It's just his act is wearing thin. Uh, enough already, enough of the excuses. But really, shame on Dana White for continuing to give in to him. This guy is late for press conferences all the time. And he was this last week again. He's late to weigh-ins all the time. And giving him a fourth fight is ridiculous. I don't want to see it. And I think I don't think pure UFC people want to see it. I don't think Heidi Fang wants to see it. I don't, I don't think anybody really wants to see these guys square off again because I will argue again that Conor McGregor cannot beat a top-tier contender, a champion, in the UFC at this point in time. Yes, he's a main attraction, no no question, but what's the main attraction? So so is Jake Paul, so is Logan Paul, so, so is Floyd Mayweather. We want to see those guys. I really believe that if McGregor is going to continue to fight the upper echelon guys, which it doesn't make any sense, he's not going to win again. Well, I agree with you that he's not going to win again, but I will disagree with you that Dana has no right that he shouldn't. It's all about money. And whether you like it or not, the, 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 the people that hate Conor McGregor wouldn't mind seeing him go in there again and get his butt kicked by Poirier. Although I don't want to see the fight, I wouldn't mind seeing him get humbled again. And the McGregor backers are so crazy for him, they're going to drink the Kool-Aid. They're going to believe his story. They're going to think he's got another chance. They're going to say pandemic's over. Now this time we can fly to Vegas and check it out in person. They will come and watch it. I don't know why. Because there's better fights for Poirier out there, but they will do it. And I, I agree with you that I don't necessarily want to see it, but I'll watch it again. I don't mind seeing Connor get his butt kicked because I, I think he is pompous. I think he's arrogant. I think he's crazy. And I also think it's funny that a guy that I've never been the biggest fan of, although he's done some stuff with us in the past and helped some different charities, I love what Floyd Mayweather's doing with this stuff. Floyd Mayweather right now is trolling Connor big time. Did you check out the latest picture that he showed of Connor? Connor's sitting there 
and his foot is off to the side. And Floyd says, yeah, now this will help him do the stanky leg walk even better. <laughs> it's, it's a better thing. He puts out the ticket where he made all the money on him, where he better, hey, thanks, Dustin, for helping me win the bet. So Connor's now becoming kind of a meme or a caricature of himself. Floyd's pointing, right. pointing fingers at him, making fun of him. He is becoming a bit of a joke. But the joke still makes money for Dana White, and all Dana cares about know. is making money. I, I, I don't know if it does make I money. Think it I, I, I think it will. I think it will. you're demeaning your product, and shame on Dana White, because you can't put him in a main event with a belt. You can't do that, and Conor McGregor isn't going to be on an undercard where he certainly belongs, and there are too many other deserving guys. And Dana White, if you're going to say that, that UFC is the baddest and the best and that sort of thing... I'm telling you, your 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 high-profile sponsors and your television networks are not going to put up with McGregor against a lesser-known guy. No, and you don't. He acts like he owes McGregor something. Okay, you've lost three hundred lost fights in Conor McGregor. You don't owe him anything. You build your product the right way and have champions face champions, or else you're demeaning your product. Plain and simple. Well, you can, you can say that, but people have said that about other fights. They said it when Randy Couture fought James Tony. Oh, he's demeaning the product because it's not a real fight. It didn't hurt him. UFC what, isn't a, is much popular back now. And but, I understand right, that, right. but some of these moves before have worked for him. And Dana, I don't think Dana thinks he owes Connor anything. I think he thinks he can still make more money out of it. He's going to rub that thing and that, that lump of coal until the diamond is completely gone or whatever. And that's the way that it is. So, you know, if he can make more money off it, I, I think he goes for it. But that's what it comes across as a money grab. It's starting to come across that way. And let's see who he lines him up with. If he's going to get him back in the ring another six months from now or whatever, see who he uh, puts him in the ring. Uh, against and then okay then we could say okay maybe that's interesting maybe it's not interesting but again you know McGregor acts like he wants to you know he thinks he's going to fight for a belt he thinks he deserves fighting for a belt and we know that if that happens he's not winning the belt well the only way that he fights for a belt is if Poirier wins the belt and then they do that rematch right right away I mean to me it's got to be Poirier all right you got something else oh yeah sure um what is it about the Stanley Cup and Russians. Oh, no. When they win the Stanley Cup, they're going... Nikita Kucherov is going insane, and Alex Kalorn joined him. Uh, you know, Tom Brady threw the Super Bowl trophy on the river down in Tampa Bay. Well, now Kalorn and Kucherov took the Stanley Cup, and they went on a little cruise on a jet ski. They took it over to the fan base. They almost dropped it in the bottom of the water. I don't know if they have the, the, the frog divers ready to go for that as well, but remember when... Washington won it, and Alice Ovechkin just went insane with the cup here in Vegas and D.C. and everywhere else. One thing about it seems like, and I don't want to stereotype and say they're all like this, but it seems like when Russians win the Stanley Cup, they really want to party with the Stanley Cup. And Kucherov actually had the Super Bowl trophy and the Stanley Cup. How did he pull off that, 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 that uh, you know, Quite not trifecta, the right. the uh, the perfecta there, right. where right. he had both of them or whatever. Right. Boy, if the Rays win, Kucherov is going to be standing right on the porch to win something. I think when you're dealing with uh, Kucherov and Ovechkin and, and the Russians, or you know, I think alcohol is involved. Oh, I, 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 I think the alcohol is involved. There, there. There's vodka, definitely some antifreeze in places yeah. that don't need antifreeze. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, please, for now on, when you refer to him, will you refer to him as Cooch, please? Okay. We've set a precedent on this show. No, I, I. Well, other people can call him Cooch. I will call him Kucherov. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Team USA loses to Nigeria. Then they lose to Australia. And let's uh, let's go back just a few days, right? Lose to Nigeria. The last two meetings combined 127 points. The 83-point win in 2012, 44-point loss uh, in 2016. But nope, Nigeria was good enough to defeat Team USA at the Mandalay Bay over the weekend as a 28-and-a-half-point underdog and plus 2,500 on the money line. Yes, USA was 54-2 and in exhibition games coming into this weekend. We fast-forward two days later. Australia beats USA 91-83. to Australia out-rebounded the Americans 33-25. to Points in the paint. Australia 44-22. to these numbers don't happen and should never happen. And we're going to get into this much later with Big Bill Cartwright about, you know, th- this roster. It's not a very good roster, but still it is representing USA and even maybe our second tier NBA guys have got to perform like this. Because you can say what you want about Australia and having some NBA guys, but there's no all-stars on this team. There's no dream teamers. I mean, Joe Ingles Joe Ingles from the Utah Jazz, his quote, and I love it. He goes, we walked into this game expecting to win. Well, yeah, you should expect to win. And everybody's going to expect to win when you look at this Team USA roster. Greg Popovich says this in the press conference last night. I thought we got better tonight. We got better tonight. After a short time together, there's a lot of things that have to be covered. But the first half and the second half were two different beasts. I think we got better tonight. You got better. You didn't get better. You lost again. Like I said, you were what fifty-four and two. Now you're fifty-four and four. How about this number? This number really says it all. The Boomers, as they're called, the Australia team. The Boomers were two and twenty-eight against the Americans in competition in the last thirty meetings. That tells you how far we've come here. How far the world has come. I understand that, but when you put this roster together, this is what you should expect. And I told you, I said this yesterday, I, I hate this, but I find myself rooting against this team. And I hate that because I love rooting for my country. I love rooting for, it doesn't matter, track and field from, you know, handball, rhythmic gymnastics, anything, gymnastics, anything. Especially basketball. Synchronized diving? Why not? Red, white, and blue, I'm rooting for it, right? But here's the deal. When I'm mad. I'm mad at whether it's Jerry Colangelo, that you didn't put your best roster together, and I'm mad at the players. I'm mad at guys like Steph Curry and LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving. Guys are saying, hey, I don't want to play. So it just, it just irritates me that I'm like, okay, fine. If we're going to put these guys out, yes, I said we were. You know, because I'm not playing, but, you know, USA, it's our country. USA, <laughs> USA, yeah, USA, but I find myself USA. rooting against USA, which I hate to do, but it's like I, I kind of want to see them lose because you deserve this. You put yourself in this position, and you have no business doing it. And remember, it was such a big thing 29 years ago that we had to have the dream team. We tried to hang out as long as we could. Because the college our kids weren't getting it done they anymore. Exactly. And, and the now, Russians were professionals. Right. Right. There you go. So... It, it, it's it's making me sick. I can see that. Like they're making me sick. Well, you know, maybe the thing is, and I don't want to say for sure. I don't want to put it out on the coaches and that. 
But it seems to me when I look at this team, they have a lot of guys that like to try to play offense, like Beal and stuff like that. I'm not sure that they have any real shutdown defenders. They don't get any size either. You know, and, and nothing and in the paint. They, had, numbers. they had, I believe, a 13 point lead in that game yesterday. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they had a double digit lead yeah. for sure. When Team USA has a double-digit lead, it should be how much are they going to extend it to, not can they hold on to it. Right. It, it just seems like right now this team isn't playing with a lot of energy. They're not playing with heart. Now, again, the rest of the world is caught up in certain ways, and this team should certainly still be one of the favorites to win medals, but they've got to turn it around pretty quick here. And maybe the guys playing in the NBA final, maybe they will piece them in, and maybe that'll be the difference. But, yeah, right turn, right now there's definitely cause for concern because you look at this team, and Nigeria and Australia are okay basketball teams. Are they the second and third best or no. the other two best teams in the Serbian, world? You got Croatia, all these not, other yeah. teams are coming. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. You know, Brazil. I mean, yeah. there's major concern, and uh, we'll see what happens in Tokyo. All right, uh, final thing, leave you on this. Please, stop showing me these idiotic fans in the NBA Finals when we're in Phoenix, okay? ABC, ESPN, stop showing these idiots screaming and counting while Giannis is at the free throw line. Thank goodness I get to watch games in Milwaukee so I don't have to put up with this nonsense. But they've gone to the the, the part now repeatedly. I don't know if you noticed this or not. We went to split screen now where we have a split screen of Giannis at the free throw line and the other half of the screen is these goofball wearing the Suns jerseys counting. And of course, they're counting too fast. One, two, three, four, five. It's just like they are just making a mockery of this. I don't want to see this. I want to see the basketball game. I don't want to really see fans really in general. If you're going to a break and they're, you know the, the Suns went on a run, a 10-2 run, okay, that's fine. But now you're giving so much attention to this non-story about a 10-count that doesn't even exist, and then you're going to go split-screen to make that the equal story to Giannis trying to concentrate for the Milwaukee Bucks and try to win a championship. Enough already with the theatrics with ESPN and, and ABC. It's a joke. It reminds me of what Fox used to do when they got in the sports game. You know, you remember with the hockey stuff, with the puck, you know, the the red line, the, the blue the, puck. The video and, game live action yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is what we're – in the NBA Finals, we've resulted to this nonsense. Get it off my screen. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to – and you, you said you'd like to end this, see this stop? Well, it's not going to stop. It's going to just get increased because they've turned – this into a monster. They're the ones that have done it. Now, luckily, you do have the option to hit mute that you don't have to hear the count, but you can't do too much about the split screen. Exactly. And, and that's the problem yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. But they're not going to stop it. And remember, they're trying to get younger audience again. A lot of younger people don't watch sports like we do and that sort of thing. And if this is something that's going to make the, it wouldn't be surprising to me if all of a sudden at the 10 count, we see Giannis gets slimed at the free throw line when they reach 10. Why not? It's a crazy world. It's stupid. It's not really sports anymore. It's the whole damn sideshow that goes it's with it. Show. And that's why us older yeah. people but that are sports purists look at it and go, screw this stuff. <laughs> sped up a bit. He sped up. But if they ever are playing from way ahead late in the fourth quarter, I think he should just hold it there and see how far it goes. <laughs> we got guys on the phone in front of us timing him. I'm with you, Van Gundy. Van Gundy, the man of reason. That's why I love that broadcast crew with Mike Breen and Mark Jackson. 
and uh, Jeff Van Gundy as well, too. All right, you guys. You know who else is with them? Yeah. Don King. Yeah. He's saying that was the, the, those are the people that were the referee that counted out uh, Mike years ago. Yeah. Buster right. Douglas. Buster, right, in Tokyo. <laughs> it wasn't a 10 count, it was a quick count. If you got any terrible Tuesday takes, hit us on Twitter at TCBar21. Follow us there. Hit us on Twitter with your takes. VGK Frank as well. All right, Steve Sachs joins us next as we talk Major League Baseball All Star Game. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. All right, Major League Baseball, all-star game tonight, Colorado, Coors Field. And uh, we witnessed the home run derby last night, and now we've got the all-star game. And let's bring in our good friend, who is taking care of business, MLB Network Radio, and of course, now, Sacks in the Morning, the podcast. I believe it's launched, it's released, the uh, all-star, the World Series champ, Steve Sacks joins us. What's going on, my man? Just, just go sign up, please. Go sign up, Sacks in the Morning podcast. It's live, and it's going to be phenomenal. So let me uh, – I, I did get a sneak preview of this. Now, this uh, uh-huh. – this, uh, this, the Sacks in the Morning, is this a, a, a full-blown podcast? Is it just a, 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 a two-minute take from you? Uh, describe mm-hmm. the format for people. It's both. I mean, we're going to have the uh, – we, we call them shorts, where they're like two to, two to three, sometimes four minutes of, uh, you know, informational. It could be motivational. It could be historic. Different things that we're going to have in the mornings that we encourage people to listen in the morning because a lot of times what it's going to be is motivational giddy-ups uh, for when they're going to be able to start their day. So that's that's the reason we have sacks in the morning because we encourage people to listen to these in the morning before they start their day. So um, that's, that's one part of it. The other part of it is the long-form podcast will be every other week. And then once we hit the first of the year, we're going to go every week. So – we got long form. We got the short takes uh, in the morning. Uh, we're going to cover the gamut. We're going to have uh, Hall of Famers on here. We're going to have current players on here. We're going to have people uh, in the in the money industry. We're going to have people uh, talking just about life. We're going to have people musicians, uh, and of course, lots of baseball people. So it's going to cover all different areas uh, of our, you know, of what our country is doing. All right, Steve Sachs, Sachs in the morning. Now, we thought we would, uh, you know, go ahead and help you out here. So, Numchuck says, you know, we need to find a, a theme song for you. We, you need to, to have, like, an open or whatever. I think you've got something already. Oh, but But, but yeah. we're, we're, we're going to construct one for you right here. So, we're going to give you some options here. And this is all Numchuck. He, he's he's going to be your new producer for Sachs in the okay. morning. So, here we go. Uh, Steve Sachs, what do we got? A theme song for Steve Sachs. Sachs in the morning. Here it is. Oh, yes. Welcome to Sacks in the Morning. Uh, this, okay. This is what he's thinking, Saxy. This is what he's thinking here. All right. Yeah, that's, that's kind of hip. It's kind of kind of like a little pep in it. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah, it's pretty I, good. I, I think he's uh, thinking, you know, the sax thing, using the, the instrument there, a little instrumentation. Yeah. Or maybe that's yeah, just leftover a- porno music from him from the night before. I have no idea. Well, well, well it kind of sounds like the theme from Mannix back in 1970. <laughs> you know what I mean? But- <laughs> Mannix. I love it. <laughs> but... But we got actually our, our leaded music, if you want to call it our walk-up music, is uh, done by my niece, uh, Elena Jane, who is a very much upcoming country star. 
she's opened in Vegas uh, for several headliners, uh, and she's going to be her own headliner pretty soon. It's Elena Jane. You should look her up, too. We're going to use her music in the beginning, so we're going to kind of keep this thing in the family. Okay. All right. So that's a, that's a nomination number one here. Uh, we, uh, we Nomination number two here. Uh, what, what else do you got, Numchuck? Let's go. Play. <laughs> so I don't know if you got uh, trapped in an elevator there or, or what. What do you yeah. think, Saxy? This is this is your show. Go ahead. I, I think I'm uh, about ready to go into a dental appointment <laughs> uh, right now as I listen to this one. Um, I'm kind of hooked on the manic scene uh, that you played first, so yeah, let's let's go with that one for okay. right now. Now, I, th- I think where he's going with this, though, I think that he wants you to have a special segment within the podcast, and this music would be used for the wussification of America. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. it's Sacks in the Morning, the wussification of America no. by Steve Sacks. Actually, TC, uh, uh, we use the word. The wimpification, uh, the wimp. Okay. People can wimp out. You That's know what true. I mean? So That's we true. use the wimpification in American sports. Y- you, so. go, you go wimp, we go wuss. Uh, you know, okay. they're, they're, way, tomato, tomato. Work. I'm sorry. There, there you go. Yeah. By the way, although elevators do have a lot of ups and downs, that doesn't work for sex in the morning. (laughs) Well, the elevators also give you closure. (laughs) This is very nice. All right, Numchuck, you have one more. You got you got one more nomination for Mr. Sax here. He's one and one right now. He's he's one and one. So the the first one's good for the two minute one because that kind of sounded like a quickie one for the morning. So (laughs) oh, quickie. uh, there, there, There you go. All right, yeah. Chuck, here you go. Uh, fi- final shot. This is your, your final answer here. Sacks in the morning. Let's go. Hit it. What, what, what is this? I guess he says it's going to get better. Okay, hold on. Yeah. We hope so. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Sax in the Morning! <laughs> okay, what do you think of that one, Steve? That was almost scary. I thought the beginning part of it was like Moses parting the sea. Uh, and then it got into some grunge, uh, scary, you know, demonic thing. I don't think we can use that one. No, no. If you're going to do that, you better go some Steppenwolf. You know the man likes Steppenwolf. No, uh, he yeah. likes some 70s yeah. classic I, rock. Come I, I, on. I think that's for one of the theme podcasts coming up for the theme rooms. <laughs> yeah. get, get, get a magic carpet ride in Steppenwolf. That might work. There you go. Okay, jeez. All right, so mm. enough of that nonsense, jeez. Okay, this is what we got here. All right. Hey, man, what did you think of the Home Run Derby last night? Uh, I think that uh, Pete Alonso's got this figured out for a number of years. Of course, he won the last one back in 2019. I was talking to a friend of mine today, and we were discussing the the uh, approach and the difference between what he did and what Otani did. Now, look, if you look at this uh, and break these guys down, Shohei Otani's got the bat way up in the air. He's uh, kind of fallen away from uh, from the plate. He's got kind of the inside-out swing. He's got the toe tap. He's got all these different uh, things that work, but, boy, it takes a lot of energy. Now, on the other side, you saw, uh, you know, Pete Alonso. He kept his arms by his side. The only time he exerted any energy was on contact, and then the ball would just shoot out of there, okay? It looked like he was almost dead or asleep until the ball got in the strike zone, and then, man, the magic happened. So the point is he really conserved his energy. He wasn't even tired. He looked like he could do it again. Shohei Otani, on the other hand, 
was exerting such a ton of energy, and he was just tired. They even said they used the word gassed. He was tired. He, he couldn't do it anymore. But I think the approach of, of uh, Pete Alonso really made the difference between him and Otani in the home run derby. So how much of that do you think will, will, will take uh... – enough out of these guys like Otani and maybe even Soto or whatever. I mean, they swung the bat so many times last night. Will that affect their game in the all-star game tonight? No, not at all. Um, it, no, I don't think, I don't think so. And plus this guy's going to pitch as well tonight. too. He's going to pitch. He's going to lead off. Yeah. But, but Otani's done it his whole life. Um, and I don't think it's going to affect these guys. They get lots of rest. They're young men. They recover quickly. Uh, the other thing is almost to extend this out a little bit is uh, some people talk about, well, it kind of screwed up their season the second half because of the home run derby. I've never heard of anything more ridiculous in my life that, that somebody thinks that these guys that are professional athletes don't know the difference between what they're doing at the plate, hitting the ball where it's pitched, or just trying to be a perpetual home run derby during the season. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It, it makes no difference whatsoever. Well, we should be used to hearing a bunch of nonsense anyway from, from people. I mean, we hear it all the time. Hey, speaking of which, <laughs> yeah. that's a good uh, segue to Rob Manfred. So he said in his little All-Star Game press conference that uh, he used the term likely. Likely no more softball games here, runner on second and extra innings, and no more seven-inning doubleheaders next year. But he, he used the term likely. Well, yeah. Why are we saying likely for? Let's get rid of this. Non- and why can't we stop it now? Why can't we stop it uh, now? We got meaningful baseball coming up here. Because he's already made uh, the, the go-ahead sign to to implement it in the first place. So now he's he's putting it out there. Well, we're going to keep analog like it's a real tough decision. He wants to kind of make it that way. This is no tough decision. I mean, you know what? As as, as ignorant as some people are in baseball. Uh, they're not stupid, and they've got their ear to the ground for the most part. They know people are out there talking that this is the most ridiculous thing they've ever seen. Baseball's losing its base because they're implementing the softball rules, and, and people are wimping out everywhere. So he knows that he's got to get back to what made the game great, and that's maybe a little bit more of the way baseball was intended. Maybe the, maybe the old school isn't so bad. You know, it's kind of funny to me when I look at it because they're making it sound like, like TC said, well, likely they're going to look at it maybe in the offseason, maybe change it next year. They didn't do that with the substance thing of checking pitchers, right? They did that right in the middle of the season during the season. So isn't it right. kind of hypocritical to say, well, we'll look at this at the end of the season. Well, then why didn't you wait till the end of the season to look at the other thing? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's a good point. It's absolutely right. And uh, I, here's my prediction. The, the softball rule is going to end. The uh, seven inning games are going to end, and I, I believe that uh, checking people like they're at the TSA at the airport that uh, someone walked up to the to the little machine there and says, "Hey, I have a bomb in my pocket." Uh, you know, checking them like that is going to end too because it's really turning people off. People can't stand this. I mean, I mean, it's almost laughable that it's so shallow that they don't see how stupid this is for the game. It's just absurd. Steve Sachs joins us, telling it like it is. We love it here. Get ready for the All-Star game here tonight. Steve, are you actually yeah. looking forward to the All-Star game tonight? Yeah, yeah. you know what? It, it, it's, it's a bit of it, what it says is we're past the halfway point. Um, we can kind of take a, a step back and, you know, get our collective breath and think about what's going to happen in the second half. We can do a reassessment of where teams are right now and, and uh, you know, celebrate the surprises that we've had and kind of 
wonder at all all the other ones that aren't so good. And so it's kind of a, a time to, you know, kind of recollect what's happening now and kind of see where we are coming into the final stretch. And I kind of like it. I do like the All-Star game. It brings back a lot of great memories when I was growing up in Sacramento, rooting for the San Francisco Giants, scurrying home from the pool at James Marshall High School yes. and getting home as fast as I possibly could uh, from, from the swimming day uh, to watch Willie McCovey and Willie Mays play in the All-Star game. It was some of the best times of my life. I totally agree. And again, that, that game was, even though it was an exhibition, it was meaningful. The players were out there, you know, trying. It, it, we didn't have hey, any of the nonsense. those players back then, PC, they wanted to play the whole game. Yes. They were ticked if they came out of the game. They wanted to play nine. That's, that the All-Star game meant something. You remember Pete Rose tearing up Ray Fossey at home plate. Absolutely. The game was played with a lot of pride. And, and there you go, my friend. And, and even though we were in the same proximity there, you were in for the Giants. Uh, I was running home uh, there in Folsom uh, so I could see Billy Williams and Ernie Banks play for, with the Cubs. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Can totally, Loved it, too. I mean, great to, players. Can totally relate to that. So what do you think of this? So I hear, I'm watching the Yankees and the Astros over the weekend, you know, watch Garrett Cole uh, pitch that game in, in a really good game on Saturday, and then the Altuve walk-off homer, uh, you know, minus buzzers and everything on Sunday uh, with that six-run comeback in the ninth. And Aaron Boone called Kevin Cash and said, hey, uh, can you please not pitch Garrett Cole in the All-Star game because we're really going to mm-hmm. need him, uh, you know, here the next few days uh, after the All-Star break. Uh, what is your thought about that and specifically, you know, manager calling the, the manager of the All-Star team saying, hey, you know, yeah. don't play my guy. Yeah, first of all, it happens all the time. It's been happening yeah. since, uh, you know, since we can remember. Um, look, in as much as the All-Star game is fun and it's great and all that stuff, I'm more concerned about what happens during the regular season. I think the players are too. So I think you have to subjugate what happens around the All-Star game to what's most important, and that is the regular season. Garrett Cole threw 129 pitches. Uh, I get that. Uh, I really don't want, if I was him, to pitch uh, in the All-Star game. Let's give it a break and have him get ready for his next start. That's that's where your bread and butter is right there during the regular season. How does a player feel, especially, okay, Cole's been there before, but say it's a, it's a first-year guy and he doesn't know if he's going to get back again. You know, And, of course, he, he wants to play. I mean, every player wants to play. And, of course, you can speak from experience here. You know, what, what is that like? And then to say, hey, you, your manager called, uh, called me and said, you know, uh, you know not, not to play or whatever because you're going to be pitching on Wednesday. I mean, how would you feel yeah, as a well, player? Well, I, I would know going in if I was a pitcher. And this is the only instance where you can kind of make this, uh, you know, uh, comparison of wanting to play or not wanting to play. If you're a regular player, um, you know, there's no question about it. Some of these guys, like Altuve, is not going to participate in the All-Star game. Correa won't participate in the All-Star game. I think I know why, because they know they're going to get booed. Right. Uh, and, and that's why they're not going to do it. Um, and, and that's fine. Believe me, I had uh, five opportunities to go to the All-Star game. And uh, I cherish every one of them. I would have uh, crawled uh, through a river of broken glass to get there just to play. It's, it's the most, it's the greatest, uh, you know, sign of respect. It's the greatest thrill that you'll ever have in baseball to be selected to go. Wonderful. You know, when you're talking about the sign of respect and that, and you guys were talking about the old days before, and I remember watching those games as a kid, and being named to the team was the honor, you know. Not everybody got in every game, but you were still an all-star whether you played or you didn't play. It seems like a lot of the guys today, 
that being named isn't enough, that they do want to make sure that if I'm going to make the trip and go there, that I want to get in the game as well. Has that changed a little bit? Because, like, you're talking pitchers and that. I remember when pitchers would throw three innings in the All-Star game. Now you yeah, get your one inning right. in, and, and it's done because you got to get the other guys in. Yeah, I think, I think it's more spread out now. Um, I think it's pretty much universally accepted that, you know, you're going to have make an, maybe make an appearance, but we're going to have to get everybody in. That's, that's kind of the way the world is today. We want to make sure that we don't step on anybody's feelings, and uh, we want to get everybody in there. So that's kind of the way the players know it's going to be when they go. Um, but the only thing I can say with the Garrett Cole thing is that if, if I see that many pitches and I'm going to start on Wednesday – yeah, probably not going to pitch in the All-Star game. I think Garrett Cole knows that, too. At least he can be a part and be recognized as, you know, one of the better pitchers in the game. All right. All right, uh, final thing here, Steve, as we get ready for the tonight's game in Colorado. The American League nationally, we look at these rosters, and we could say, uh, really, not that star-studded rosters. Of course, you're always going to have a few of those injuries, but like you said, you got guys that are saying, hey, I, I don't want to play you know, for, for whatever reason. Uh, when you look at this, these rosters, who do you think wins tonight? You know what? It, it's, uh, I, I, I always say this in, in all-star games. You just flip a coin. You know, some guys are, are out there. I think one thing that changed a little bit is sometimes they don't go out there and put out 100% effort. They're just there for the festivities. It's hard, so it's hard to say. It's hard to get a real barometer uh, on what the better team is. I think what, how many in a row did the, was it the American League one? Like wow, a, a bunch of them in a row. Oh, yeah, like double so digits. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just by chance, it's probably going to start changing the pendulum and probably come back the other way soon. All right. All right, my man. We appreciate uh, the time as always. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. And uh, one more plug. Sacks in the morning. Get the podcast. Where can they find it, man? They can find it at their favorite podcast uh, distributor, Spotify, uh, you know, uh, Apple, wherever you want to go. Wherever you get your podcast, it's there. Sacks in the morning. Sacks in the morning. There it is. And, and this could be his new theme song right there. We'll ride you on a magic <laughs> carpet, my man. How's that? Hey, that's awesome. Hey, and I'll tell you another thing. We're going to have the Quake do dance on the uh, when we go video. Oh, absolutely. The Quake doing his thing. There it is. Oh. Oh. See you guys. Take care. Steve Sachs. Yeah. Sachs in the Morning Podcast. Go check it out. Still loves the Quake references. And, and Quake, wherever he may be, with his headphones on, sitting around in, in his new cubicle. There it is. You know, even Magic Carpet Ride does have its own innuendo for that. It does, huh? Do just do think, tell. Just think about it. Uh-huh. Close your eyes. Look inside. It's your... a Magic Carpet Ride. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Sex in the seventies? They were doing that back then in songs. <laughs> I believe a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> drugs and uh, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. There's there's a reason that uh, term was around. <laughs> All right, you going to watch a game tonight? Probably. I mean, I don't know that I'll watch every single second of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there might be a, you know, a replay of an Australian Rules football game or... National you know. League or American League? Well, You're one of these old school guys. I'm, an, I'm a National League guy. See, there you go. See, you know, for so, I mean, I, 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 mean I, I, I guess I'm rooting for them. I'm just dreading the day when they officially make it that they're going to use the DH in the National League. Because yeah. it's coming. Yeah. Right. I don't want to see it. Yeah. And and in the year of Otani, you'd think that maybe we talk less about it, but no, it's it's going to happen. Otani, you're starting pitcher for the American League tonight and also leading off as well. We'll be interested to see how many innings he throws 
and how long he actually plays, you know, if he if he'll stay in the lineup or what, or they move him to the outfield or something. And, and I think that's one of the reasons they have him batting leadoff too, to make sure that he gets that at least that one at bat or yeah, whatever. Well, at least so two, they see yeah, what happens. At least, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe probably two at bats. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, but I'm saying at least one. Right. Be, because he'll have the one, and then he's is you know I mean I'm sure he's just going to pitch the one inning. Because most starters, as we know, you know, will they get like two or sometimes even three at bats. Uh, you know, if a position player. So with Otani, if he pitches two innings, he could get two at bats. So, I mean, usually we see low scoring games, but again, because the game is in Colorado tonight, maybe some fireworks will will happen and we'll see a high scoring game. But yeah, these rosters, not real pleasing. All right, we come back. Big Bill Cartwright will join us. We got to talk about Team USA basketball, 0 2 in these exhibition games here in Vegas. And also, tomorrow night, we resume the NBA Finals game number four. The Bucks hosting the Suns. We've got that with the big seven-footer. We come back. TC, Ballpark Frank, TC Martin Show. Terrible Tuesday. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. will score, and the Oakland A's walk off with Game 2 of the ALTS. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. And Turner in the air center field, that ball's hit well. Martinez on the run, this is way back, and it is gone! It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner! The doctor is now in... Yes, it's Tuesday, middle of July. You know what that means. It's the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Tonight, American League National League in Coors Field in Colorado. Appreciate Steve Sachs joining us last hour, getting his thoughts on that. Of course, Sachs, you can catch him on the MLB Network Radio Series XM 89. And also uh, his new podcast, Sachs in the Morning, as well. Talking a little bit about uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And yes, the lineups and the rosters, uh, really not that flavorful, but I am intrigued. Uh, I know a lot of people were intrigued with the Home Run Derby last night. Again, like, like I said earlier, just it just kind of drove me nuts. I think the concept it is good. It drags on and it on. It does. It just, it just, it's, it's irritating. And uh, I got to believe, you know, even though that, you know, many people will think that, okay, Otani's not tired or whatever. He was gassed. He was gassed. He was hitting line drives. He was popping stuff up. He had to take all those timeouts. And then he is expected to pitch tonight. It's just, it's strange. We talk about throwback. I mean, if you want to say throwback to Babe Ruth, that sort of thing. I mean, this, this is what it's like. It's like, hey, we're going to, you know, swing the bat over 100 times. And then we're going to be the starting pitcher of the All-Star game. And I'm, he's going to bat leadoff. I mean, you know, pitchers aren't allowed to do anything. We've seen pitchers, and it's still done today, where they know that they're going to pitch like the next day and they got to travel. They travel a day ahead to their city. Yeah, to get acclimated to the room and the time zone everything. and everything else. And, and to just, rest. Yeah, to just rest. Yeah. Just rest, you know? So, like, and, and, and that really seemed to change a little bit, too, in a lot of uh, teams and managers' minds. Way back when Mariano Rivera injured himself running those little sprints in the outfield on that, and all of a sudden a lot of people went, whoa, what's he doing that for? Well, I don't know. Pitchers have only been doing that since the beginning of playing baseball. 
But one guy gets injured, especially if it's a name like that, and all of a sudden we need to rethink everything. I mean, remember, what does Nolan Ryan and people, what do they think of, like, pitch counts in that? The the pitch count was, I'm done when the game's over. Right, right. And, again, you just, you know, these guys can go deep because we'll see it. We saw Garrett Cole. I mean, 127 pitches against the Astros on Saturday. And once these guys start reaching 90 pitches and you get to 100, oh, my goodness. You know, it's like, now, of course, you don't want to do that every start. But these guys are capable of throwing. And here's what a lot of people fail to realize, too. You can manage this by what you do with your warm-ups. And I'm talking about pregame warm-ups. I mean, I've seen pitchers throw 200 pitches on the day that they're going to start in the bullpen. And, you, of course, you, know, you start with your... Your soft toss, then you go with your long toss, and then you then you get into the bullpen. You're throwing off the mound, and when you're all said and done, you could be throwing 150 to 200 pitches before, and you're you're throwing the same pitches, and with some of those, in about 20 to 30 to 40 of those, you're throwing with pretty much the same velocity that you do in the game, so you can manage that. And, and I was I was always one to I want to warm up. You know, less is more type of thing because I want to save all my good stuff yeah. for the game. And you just then, you just want to get loose. Yeah, just loose. You know, you, you don't yeah. you don't have to pitch yeah. like you're pitching yeah. the ninth inning in the yeah. bullpen or when these guys come up yeah. between innings and all of a sudden they're throwing their best so, stuff and stuff like right. that. It's like yeah, it, it just get loose and get ready for the actual pitches that yeah. matter. Now I'm gonna transition this into coaching. So when I was coaching, uh, you know, boys baseball and and girls softball, I I would I would run into. The guys would play and, and girls would play like with other teams. And then when I have my teams, whether it was an all-star team or something like that, they were used to their certain routine. And I'd go, whoa, 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 you're warming up way too much. And they go, well, but this is my routine. This is what my coach has always had me done. And seriously, they would throw an entire game in a bullpen session before the game. And I'm, I'm going, no, save your best stuff. And I'd, some, I'd have to talk to their parents and they'd go, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And how come we've never heard that before? It's because either these coaches are inexperienced, they read a book somewhere, or just they've seen everybody else do it. And you wonder why, especially when you're playing like tournament ball, it's like, no. And you're playing, you know, five, six games in a weekend and 90, 100 degree you know, temperature. It's about conserving. And there's so many people that are doing it wrong. And I'm not saying... I'm this innovator or genius, but again, it's common sense. Just common sense comes into play. It's like less is more. Get loose, get warmed up. But when I would see this, it, it would it would infuriate me, and I would just have to say, stop, you're good. And it would mess with these pitchers' minds like, well, I, I'm, I've only got a quarter of my routine done yet. Don't worry. Trust me. You're going to be fine. And it, it literally would, would mess with their heads. And definitely, you know how it is with youth baseball and youth softball, it messed with their parents' heads, too. Well, and yeah. I'd have to hear about that. Well, and the other thing that it also does is that's why a lot of times, especially back when that kind of stuff, and I don't know what it's like today if coaches still use that philosophy or if they don't, because it does seem like with the pitch count and that, that maybe they'd be more cognizant of it. But that's why you'd see some guys that were superstars in the Little League or something like that. And even by the time they got to high school, their arms were already throwing out or something like that, you know? And, I mean, the the old thing, uh, when I was a kid, it was always like, you can't throw a breaking ball. You can't throw a breaking ball when you're, you know, because, oh, it takes a torque on your arm and everything. Yeah, wait till you're like but, 14 or But 15, like you yeah. said, if you got a kid out there and he's throwing in a complete game and he's throwing nothing but fastballs for, 
seven innings or whatever a little league game is, and then he goes well, out talking, there and he tries. I'm talking high school. Yeah, but I'm saying, whether it's seven innings or nine yeah, or whatever, yeah, but yeah. you do see some kids, and they burn themselves out before they ever get the chance to really be something. So, yeah, and again, I don't know exactly what the proper thing is because I'm not a coach and I haven't done anything, but, you know, there's some people that think, you know, like we're talking about Otani, and some people think he's as good as he is because they do have that incredibly hard work regiment over there, and they do play like practices or games and that, and sometimes. But I think it's got to be going by every individual kid. What's good for one isn't necessarily good for somebody else. I remember interviewing Bob Feller years ago, you know, from the olden days, you know, when he used to say that the pitch counts and all that, he hated all that kind of stuff. Well, we didn't throw, I worked on the farm, I threw bales of hay, I did this and that. Okay, and that worked for you. What worked for you might have destroyed somebody else or whatever. So, but you know, it's I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but it seems like there's some answers that are more right than others. It, for me, there's not a right or wrong. It's just pure common sense. For the sure, more, the more strain, but that's that an endangered put, species. Yeah, when you, when you, the more strain that you put on your arm and your elbow and your forearm and your wrist, okay, that plain, plain and simple. You, you got to be aware of that. And I don't discount pitch counts. I don't discount that at all. I I I, I believe that again. It, it, it's wear and tear. And again, for if you're a starting pitcher and you're going to get forty to fifty starts during the course of a major league baseball season, you do have to be careful. But as a manager, you've got to know your players. You got to know you know your pitcher. And if he's rolling along, and you got to know what's behind your pitcher. You got to know what the bullpen's like. And if you know that your best shot is. You know, I'll use Max Scherzer as an as an example. If you know that you really don't got much behind Scherzer, you really don't have a good setup guy, and your closer is okay, then if Max is under a hundred, you you don't you don't pull him just because you're rolling it's the ninth with inning. Him. You're rolling with him, plain and simple. And you might do not, might not do that every game, but especially if the guy's got a two hitter going. He's got 10 strikeouts and maybe one walk, and his pitch count is manageable. Then you roll with it. But we've seen guys like Davey Roberts and other people like that that just throw it out the window. Kevin Cash in the World Series last year with Blake Snell. Again, that's where the common sense it's right in front of you. We're talking about the home run derby and the terrible Tuesday stuff. This stuff is right in front of you. Don't overthink it. And I think that's the problem that gets me. Now, going back to Otani, here's a guy that is a pitcher, and he's a fielder, and he's a hitter, and we went through all this hype with him the last couple of years. But this year, he's excelling basically in all aspects. I mean, look at the home runs that, that he's hitting. And, you know, his pitching outings have been pretty good, but we have seen an outing where he couldn't get an out. I mean, the, yeah. the game against the Yankees. He's had bad games. He's had some bad games. He has control issues. So we're so protective, and here's my point. We're so protective of the pitchers, of protecting their arms, long-term, everything. Sure, granted, the Angels might not be going anywhere, but Joe Madden's not thinking that. They, everybody still thinks they have a shot. You still got you know another whatever, you know, 60 games to go here, 70 games to go. So you've, you've got to protect your pitchers. It's like with Otani. Yeah, go ahead, pitch. Go ahead, hit. Go ahead, lead off. Go ahead and be in this home run derby. And go ahead and, and you know, swing the bat you know, 100, 150 times or whatever, and you're going to pitch tonight, you're going to be a starting pitcher. It's like we're just throwing out all the concerns all together because this is our showcase, and this guy is kind of a freak of nature. He's our guinea pig. They're treating this guy like a sideshow tonight. 
So he's like a superhero. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's like a baseball superhero, right. like Mister Angel. Right. And so there's no way in the world that anybody else would be in a home run derby and go out there and pitch tonight because their manager, whatever, would come back and say, "No, don't do this," especially if it's a Shearzer and you know the Nats think that they're in a in a playoff push or something like that. You know, we saw what Aaron Boone did to, to Garrett Cole. You know, said, "Hey, you know." I know you want to pitch in the All-Star game, but I'm calling Kevin Cash and said, hey, Kevin, please don't use our guy. But with Otani, all of this goes out the window. So, again, not going to predict this, but I'm just going to say it would not surprise me if Otani does not look sharp tonight on the mound or at the plate. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And why should it? The guy was gassed. I mean, literally, he was gassed last night. Well, and I think the bigger concern, if you're an Angel fan, and certainly looking ahead to the future, is regardless of how he looks tonight, how's he going to look for the second half of the season? There you go. Hey. You know, because of, like you said, you know, and okay, it's not pitches when you're throwing from right field, but you're still using your arm. It's In fact, it's a different kind of throw when you're throwing from right to third or something like that, trying to throw. It's even more of a strain. It's a different distance. It's everything else. There's a lot of things in there. So, so yeah, he's asking his body and his muscle memory and everything to do a lot of different things. Okay, you're going to throw... 120 from 60 feet 6 inches, but then you're going to gun run from gun one from the corner and right field trying to throw a guy at a third or at home or something else. That's a lot of different things, and it's things that people don't necessarily think about. So, yeah, I mean, Otani's being asked to do a lot of different roles right now, and then, like you say, swinging the bat and other things. So we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, I, I just hope that he has a long career and that something doesn't happen where, you know, he becomes like a Bo Jackson type of a player or something like that where, oh, he can do everything. Oh, wait, one injury, and all of a sudden he's completely done, although it was in a different sport and football and that kind of stuff. You never know. I mean, everybody has a breaking point. And stick to the Angels family. You go to David Clyde way back when. I mean, this guy was a phenom, and that's what, what happened to him. You know, arm got burned out but had an injury. So... But it's the thing with Otani, back to this, is it'll be interesting tonight because this is your showcase, and he is your superstar. You don't have Mike Trout, okay? There are other guys, superstars, that aren't playing tonight. So this has turned into the Otani show. It started last night with a home run derby, making a big deal. It's the headlines. He's pitching. It's Babe Ruth. We haven't seen this since Babe Ruth, going back 100 years. I mean, it is ridiculous. So, our you going to keep this guy in the game? Because we know he's probably only, only going to pitch one inning. Maybe he pitches two innings. Okay, but now people want to see this guy hit because this is what he's more famous for. You can say he's a dual guy. He's a pitcher. He's a hitter. But no, what, 36 home runs or whatever it is he's got this year? Yeah, they want to see the 500-foot bomb. So in order for him to... Get multiple at bats. He's going to have to play another position tonight. Yeah, you know? he's going to the outfield if he stays in the game. Yeah, he's, he's going to he's going to have to you know to, to stay in the game. So that's what I'm curious because a pitcher, you know, he could be your 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 ace, your starting pitcher, which we always see the two starting pitchers, the best uh, pitcher in the American League the first half of the season, the best pitcher for the NL the first half of the season. They they may get two innings and then they're done. They're most likely they're on a plane. They're they're out of here. Get ready for their next start, which would probably be like, you know, Friday, Saturday or something like that. And if Otani is going to be on the Sunday pitching routine, which we've seen before with the Angels, so that means, you know, he pitches tonight, 
how well rested is he going to be considering what he, he did in the home run derby and everything else and how much he does play tonight? Is he going to be ready for Sunday? Well, I guess as the old saying goes, only time will tell, but it is going to be interesting. But I just thought of something right now. Can we get a patent right now? Yeah, patent. Can we get a patent on just start calling him Shotani? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, since he is the show, since he is what everybody's coming to see, since of all the names in the All-Star game, he's the one that everybody's talking about. He didn't win the home run derby. He's still the one that people are talking about. Right. You know, he's not the best pitcher in baseball, but he's the one that everybody's talking about. Let's let, let's just get the patent right now. Show Tani. When he comes to town, you got to check him out. Who do you think's a better player, Otani or Ichiro? Well, I, I think Ichiro was a better, maybe. Obviously, just contact hitter and all-around baseball player. But Otani's got the power and that kind of stuff that he can hit it out of the yard and things like that. So I think that makes him more valuable in a lot of people's minds out there. And I don't think Ichiro could pitch, obviously. So no, that, that's no. certainly but something Otani can who, do. But who's the better player? Who The better fundamental yeah. baseball player to me would be Ichiro right. because he was a great outfielder. He didn't make mistakes. He always threw the right base. He ran bases very well. He was a great contact hitter. And one thing that people don't know about Ichiro was, although he didn't put up 25 or 30 home runs a year, there's a good chance that he could have. I oh. saw him in a home run derby contest at Comiskey oh, no. Park. He could jack it. And, and he jacked it out of the park when he went for that. He mm. knew that his job was to set the plate for the guys but behind him. But look how him. many homers he hit but playing in Japan. He had those oh, kind yeah. of numbers. He did. Yeah. And he more than now, now, they were smaller fences, and you can argue that maybe yeah, the, pitchers but... weren't, the pitchers weren't the same quality. But no, no, he, 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 was an, he was an excellent baseball player. But when he came over here... It's kind of like that guy that was a great scorer in college and he comes to a pro team like a B.J. Armstrong and goes, you know what, I'm not getting 25 shots a game here with this team. i got to learn my role. He played his role to his best ability over here in Major League Baseball. It was a different role than in Japan because in Japan he was expected to do everything and he did. I wonder sometimes what kind of power numbers he could have put up if that's what he went to, but he sacrificed several home runs a year for an extra, what, 40 to 60 points on his batting well, average. The guy was a hitting machine. And here's the thing, too. I mean, he did it for a long period of time. A long, long time. I mean, a long time. And he came... and, and he really made the game more worldwide. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people over in, in Japan and even other countries in Asia that they would show some of those Seattle games live. Right. It would be three. We talk about Buck Power, Paul, and that kind of stuff. I mean... They'd be showing games live at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning just because Ichiro was playing. And remember, Ichiro came over here like in his 30s, you know? He, he came, oh, yeah. He came, yeah. He'd already won up. like, what, seven or nine yeah. batting titles so or something like that's that. that's when he got here. So Americans... And he had a ton. How many hits would he have had in Major League Baseball if he would have played his whole career here? If he was here in his prime. Think about that. You I know? mean, he, he could... And I don't want to sound... I don't want people to think I'm out of my mind or something, but is it out of the realm of possibility that he could have maybe challenged Pete Rose? Absolutely could have. Yeah. If he would have played his entire career here. But I've talked to some people. Oh, no, that's ridiculous. It's, it's like. Think about it. It's like, no, you don't realize how good he was. Well, that's Japan. Really? Because he was super successful here. And he was a younger, yeah. better version of himself yeah. over there. Yeah. And again, uh, just for the, the longevity. I mean, that, you know, for me, 20 plus years, no matter where you play. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see each row in his 20s. It, it would have. All right, uh, you know one of my favorite things, and we've talked about this before, is the uh, American Century Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe. Beautiful yeah. surrounding, yeah. beautiful course, and 
Boy, if you ever want to see a who's who of yes. professional athletes, now wow. I, I grew up there, and well, you grew we up there. I don't. Yeah, know if you that's grew true. Up that's really. true. That's true. But <laughs> you know, we both broadcast there, and it, it's a great place to go. And that's on my list every when I go back to Sacramento. I go to Edgewood every year. Uh, if not to play golf, just to have lunch or just hang out because I love Lake Tahoe and uh, I, I love that course. And I've always uh, enjoyed this this tournament as well, too. So there are a couple side stories uh, to this tournament. So first of all, the Charles Barkley story kind of takes center stage here. And Charles Barkley, as we know, is a horrendous golfer. But he has spent some time uh, trying to improve his game and worked on his game and says, you know, I'm going to be much better this year. And instead of finishing last and being the laughing stock, well, they had a prop on the board. Of course, you can bet on all of these golfers and where they finish and who wins and all that stuff because they're on the board there in Tahoe. And there was a prop where would Barkley finish in the top 70. And that was out of like 95 golfers or something like that? 85 golfers. Okay, 85. Yeah, 85 golfers. And where would Barkley finish? Top 70. And so Barkley said, I'm betting on myself. And he did. And he did. He put $100,000 on himself. So here's Charles Barkley talking about this last week. Well, I put $100,000 on myself, so I feel very confident. Oh, $100,000 on yourself. So are you feeling good? Are you feeling good about that bet after today? Well, I'm, uh, I'm in the top. I think I'm like. 77 to 78 after the first day uh so i feel really good and i and i screwed up myself today i could have played a lot better uh but i'm very happy with where i'm at okay so now when you look around are there guys you say okay i know i can beat him i know i can beat him i know i can beat him you start checking off the list give us some guys you know you can beat. (laughs) (laughs) you know that actually i don't know that i just i'm I'm playing very well Uh uh you know, I, I've been I've been getting better the last couple of years, Stan. Yeah. And I think I'm gonna play really well all three days. But I had to take that bet because if I win that bet, I win five hundred thousand dollars. So hey, I was gonna gamble anyway. Might as well gamble on myself. There you go, five to one odds. You uh, can't beat. All right, Charles Barkley uh, betting on himself. Uh, uh, Stan Verrett from ESPN interviewed him. That was after Barkley's first round there, where he said he was like seventy seventh or seventy eighth right. of the eighty five golfers. Right. So. We know where Charles Barkley finished. He tied for 76th. So he did not win the bet. <laughs> he did not win the bet. Like you said, if he would have hit that, then he would have made more money than anybody else. So I'll get to that in a minute. But back to, uh, to Barkley. Um, I'm going to give you a list of names and guys that finished behind Charles Barkley. Who do you think? Who do you think? And Barkley's finished dead last on numerous occasions, and where it's just been really embarrassing for him. So he's embraced this now. He's embraced it. Where we're like, okay, hey, but now he's getting serious. He wants, you know, to improve his game. Thinks he's improved the game. He really hasn't really improved it. Well, that much. And, and he was in one of those match things that they had once with the golf too. Oh yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah. He embarrasses I mean, he, himself. I mean, yeah. he, he embarrasses himself. Yet he, yeah. like you said, he kind of embraces it mm-hmm. because he knows his swing is absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't he gotten a swing coach to make it better? I know. He's just kind of defiant in that sense. All right. So I'm going to give you a list of names who finished behind Barkley. You tell me who finished dead last. How's that? All right. Here's our, here's our, here, here's our names. Uh, Justin Tuck, DeMarcus Ware, Al Michaels, Ray Romano, Sean McDermott, 
Doug Flutie, Kevin Nealon. Where's our Jeopardy music? What are you doing over here, Numchuck? Let's go. I'm going to say Kevin Nealon because I have no idea. Kevin Nealon. All right, Numchuck, you got a guess here? Without looking, you already know. Well, he probably already, already knows. He oh, probably looked yeah. himself up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. So that's no. cheating. Plus, there he can't is. talk anyhow. All right. That's why he stays behind the glass. So finished 85th. You said Kevin Nealon. He finished 84th. So pretty good on your part there. Pretty good. For just a total shot in the dark, as Ozzy would say. Al Michaels, dead last. I was thinking Al Michaels might be not terrible. Well, but just the fact that he was behind him yeah. probably should have let me know that he was terrible. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really sure exactly where they'd be or whatever because I haven't seen those guys golf. So Yeah, yeah. CeCe Zabathia would have been dead last, but he didn't finish. He, he, he quit after the first round. But, yeah, Al Michaels, uh, dead last. But he's 76 years old. Yeah. So, okay. You know. But anyway, all right, so here's the other part of this story that is kind of interesting. So the winner, and we've had some pretty good battles. I mean, Rick Roden, the former pitcher of the Dodgers. Pitchers he, and quarterbacks seem to do very well in this tournament. And hockey guys do very well Well, they well have as the well natural too. swing out of the drive and everything. It's yeah. like taking a slap right. shot, you right. know? I mean, if it was some of the players, they wouldn't hit the net. Yeah. But so Mike Madonna, he was up there in, in the top five, top six. Uh, but we we've seen, you know, I mean, Patrick Waugh back in the day, he used to play this tournament, play, uh, do very well. But it came down to Vinny Del Negro and John Smoltz. And uh, Vinny Del Negro, a former basketball player, uh, he played with the Sacramento Kings, you know, still lives in Northern California. So Vinny uh, beat out John Smoltz in a playoff. That's an accomplishment because Smoltz has done very well up there. Smoltz, is a, he's pretty much a scratch golfer. Well, he's, he's a professional golfer. So here's the, the kick to the story here is that the first prize money was $125,000. And Vinny Del Negro won, but did not get paid. Did he bet it all on Charles Barkley? No. <laughs> no. Because this is considered a professional tournament. Vinny Del Negro is an amateur. So he could not take the check. So the money went to John Smoltz, because he's a pro. So he got the money for not winning the tournament. Hence, my terrible Tuesday, part two here. Wow, that's... Is is that a terrible Tuesday or a bad beat? Uh, (laughs) How about some bad organization? If you're offering prize money... Again, I get the amateur situation in a Masters or something. This is a charity golf tournament, right? And and it's not like Vinny Del Negro is trying. He's not a pro because he's trying to keep his college eligibility or something like that. Exactly. I mean, he's an older guy. Why? But did Vinny? I wonder. Did Vinny Del Negro know this going into it? Why wouldn't you just? I mean, I don't know how hard it is to turn pro. Do you just ask for your card? Is it, is it like buying a fishing license or something? I don't know. But if you think you have a chance to win that thing, to turn pro. I know, right? Because John Smoltz is a pro, which would surprise just about everybody, right? He's it no doesn't different totally than all surprise, these other guys. It doesn't totally surprise me because I know he golfs all the time, and I know he's done very well up there. And I know he's one of these, like a Tony Rono and Troy Aikman and some of those guys that have tried to, you know, played in some professional tournaments in that before. So, But what amazes me then is like, so I wonder what the breakdown is of those 85 golfers, how many of them are pro and how many aren't. Is Charles I mean, Barkley Charles a pro? Charles Barkley can't be a pro golfer. Right, 
Right? Exactly. So maybe that's why he's betting on himself. Yeah, yeah. To, to not, not, now, not that he has to worry about winning the first place prize money. But what about appearance fees, you would think, would, 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 would be in line here? But like any other term, there's $600,000 in prize money. So you're going to pay out you know, the top probably 30 guys. To make some money. So are like Steph Curry and guys like that who have done pretty well in golf up there. Is, is Does he also have his pro golfer's card? I don't know. That's you know, the question. Mike Arruzzioni, you mentioned hockey players. Yeah. In that. I mean, yeah. now I'm starting to wonder. Right. I know the one, the one year that I was up there and just standing at the tee and watching the guys when they're practicing their drives and that. I remember Mark McGuire just crushing the ball. Now... He also hooked him sometimes and really would be out of bounds and I stuff. Sliced but, him into the lake you know, too, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, Jerry Rice always had to look perfect on yeah. every swing and everything. But but yeah, but now I'm wondering it's like, okay, so over the eighty five, what is the breakdown? How how many guys are actually eligible for this prize money? Right. You know? Don't know. That's again, I was shocked when I when I heard this. It's like Vinny Del Negro, he's been in this tournament before and he's a very good golfer. So, Vinny, if you're not a pro, you should be a pro. Well, and you, you, figure, you just beat a whole bunch of pros. Well, and like you mentioned, the fact that he has been in the tournament before in that, and he's had some pretty good finishes, has he lost prize money in other years? <laughs> Even if it's not the top prize money, right. with 600000 in prize money, it's got to go, what, five or six deep or yeah. top ten or something. So yeah. how much money has he lost by yeah. going up there? Not just being up in Tahoe and getting all the amenities and everything oh, they sure. get. is it's, it's a nice little perk, but... 125k would make it a lot nicer, right? Exactly, and be, get a new set of clubs with that. Because John Smoltz plays professionally, he can get the prize money. So now we don't know John Smoltz, don't know the relationship. You know, and John Smoltz had to get on a plane and go to Colorado because he's on the broadcast with Joe Buck tonight. So we'll we'll hear John Smoltz. We'll, it'll be interesting to see if they bring up his. His uh, tournament in Tahoe. His American Championship yeah, Championship. Yeah, American Century Classic <laughs> Championship, right? Exactly. That he really didn't win. So, be listening for the, another reason to watch the All-Star Game He's tonight. the first place the prize money. That's the winner to me. So, like I said, don't know John Smoltz. And, and, you know, I know Vinny Del Negro a little bit. I'm hoping... That John Smoltz says, hey, Vinny, let's go cash the check. Here you go. And he's going to give either Vinny the money, all of it, partial something. But, I mean, he should get it all, right? Go cash Vinny's check for him. Well, you should at least take him to Hank's or something. Right. Like that. Get him a nice steak's dinner. I don't know. But, but Friday yeah. Station, my friend. Friday Station, the steakhouse there in Tahoe at Harris. Outstanding. Just like Hank's. So there you go. That's where they need to go. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's what they all yeah, do. I mean, you would think that he would do something for him. And the other thing that I always wonder, it's like, as much as the Maddox brothers like to golf, or how come they're not up there? Why aren't they winning that thing? I've well, Greg. Uh, I think I have seen Greg up there. Well, and Mike is usually Mike, working this time of yeah, year. So. Mike is working. He's with yeah, he's always now. a pitching coach. Right. With, yeah, he's yeah. always with somebody. But I think I think Greg has participated. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, Mike's one of those guys that he's always going to have a job because oh, he's just a Mike. great pitching coach. Love Mike. Love Mike. All right, we come back. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us. We're going to talk Team USA struggles. Why wasn't he up there? Would he beat Charles Barkley? So, you know, you can ask him that question. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, him and I have had this conversation before. So we will let's, – let's bring that up because I know the answer to this. All right, the big seven-footer. Talk Team USA and preview game number four tomorrow night, Buck Suns. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The article has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. (laughs) 
The NBA Finals got a couple days off here, but uh, resumed tomorrow night as the Bucks are hosting the Phoenix Suns. Bucks won game number three in a resounding fashion, one twenty to one hundred. We'll see if uh, they can tie up the series and really make a series of it. But uh, Phoenix wins on the road in Milwaukee tomorrow night, commanding three-one lead with two of the final three games in Phoenix. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it with the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. What's going on, my man? Today's a great day. Uh, nice to relax. I, I got some exercise in. I know you'll like that. I got some nice soup for lunch. I know you love that. So I'm just, I'm just getting it right. All right, man. Uh, we got a lot to talk about here. And uh, first and foremost, Team USA, uh, they're in action as we speak in their third exhibition game against Argentina right now. But uh, the first two games have not gone well for USA at all. Losing to Nigeria, which was a total embarrassing as a 28.5-point underdog. And then Australia, as we know better than Nigeria, uh, USA was a 16.5-point favorite. Uh, they couldn't get the job done there. They are 0-2 and coming into this 54-2 in exhibition games. And uh, we know that a lot of people are using the word panic. But, you know, for me, it's that this 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 roster is not constructed as it should be. And it's still disappointing and frustrating to see these guys losing but it shouldn't be total surprise that they're struggling. And I'm not one of these guys, Bill, that think it's going to be a quick fix. If you're struggling now, I think you're going to struggle in the Olympic Games. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that, you know, every year, uh, you know, the USA has, has good games. And everybody talks about, oh, they blew everybody out. They didn't blow anybody out. They ended up beating them. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was no blowout. And look, to me, this, these games are exhibition games. These games, they don't mean really anything, considering they do not have their full roster. And, you know, and let's face it, we talked about this. If you can beat the USA, that's like you just want a gold medal for these guys. So, to me, their intent in going in this game uh, and, and the fact that these teams have had an opportunity to practice for months, and we've just just gotten together, um, I think they, you know, they probably should win some of these games because it means more to them. I do believe that we still have the best players, and I agree that we can't. We have to change ourselves and. Um, for one thing, be able to guard these guys, pick up full court and guard these guys, uh, play some bigger guys. Uh, that would be nice. And attack these guys inside and take them to task. That would be great. Um, and instead, it's just up to them. You know, this is, we still have the best team, I think. I think that those guys, I'm sorry, let's take that back. We have the best players. There you go. There you go. Right. We have the best players. Now, we may not have the best team, but we better figure that out real quick because those guys have played together. A lot of those guys have played together since they were teens. They know each other. Um, and more importantly, they are dying to beat the U.S. Dying. So, so we'll see if we come out with that same that same focus, with that same intensity. Now, the 
the USA team is going to win their share of games and they're going to, you know, blow out, you know, some teams. But I think it really starts with the construction of the roster when you have players that are not there. And we know that if we were constructing this team to represent uh, the United States the best way possible, Steph Curry would be on this team. James Harden would be on this team. LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, just to mention a few, those guys would be on this team. Throw Kyrie or Kyrie Irving in there as well, too. But, you know, some guys, okay, uh, injuries. Clay Thompson, we understand that, injuries. But then a lot of these guys have just declined. And I think that's the problem that I have. That's the problem that a lot of other people have. And I know you could say, oh, freedom of choice or whatever. But you know darn well, Bill, if you were invited to play uh, on the U.S. Olympic team to represent your country and go play for a gold medal, no matter what, you would take the opportunity to do it. But we're just using convenient excuses that we're tired or whatever. If Kevin Durant, a guy who has battled back from injury, a guy who plays year-round basketball, who you know played up until, what, the second round of the playoffs, if he's saying, hey, guys, I'm in, then everybody else could be in as well, too. And then we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We wouldn't be having this conversation of a, we're not sending our best guys, that there's this potential to lose. Because right now, there is this great potential to lose. A very big possibility that they are not going to win the gold medal. And then... Then you're going to have people really losing it and going ballistic because let's flash back to 29, 30 years ago. You know, why we constructed the dream team in Barcelona in 1992 because our Olympic players were not good enough in many people's eyes. So we had to get our Americans and then we blew everybody out. And then that wasn't good enough. Well, they're professionals. I mean, come on. Even though Russia had professionals long before us. So this, this thing is just goofy and it could just go very, very simple of, Send your best every Olympiad, every world championship, and we wouldn't even have this argument. Well, maybe maybe it is a change in the guard. Maybe, you know, the fact that we did get beat and the Dream Team showed up and they, they beat the tar of everybody and we won every single year. Maybe that's over. Maybe that era of guys that are concerned about playing on the USA team and Olympic team Maybe for them, and and I don't know. I think you're um, right. I think you're right. It, it, it's a shame, it, it but you're right. Other things are more important. And like you said, I'm Rudy Gobert. It, it's it's really important to Rudy Gobert. Joe Ingles last night, you know, for Australia. Of course, Patty Mills is still playing. What's Patty Mills in his forties? The yeah, it's more yeah. important to these guys. And I guess that's that's the shame part of it. Yeah, and it's. You know, and, and it's timing. It's it's all of that. It's injury. This year has been an injury plague year. We talked about that. We're not really sure why, but uh, but but it has been. And um, I I don't think that I or doesn't feel like it has that same luster to to win, represent the country, uh, and, uh, and and win a medal. It doesn't mean what it used to be. Now, in those other countries, it means everything. That's really important. Pride for your country, pride for your family, uh, beating the U.S., which is, is number one. Um, it, it's, it's huge. It means everything. It's something they'll never forget their entire lives. But, uh, but for us, seemingly, it doesn't mean as much. And, 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 and let's face it, you know, basketball has changed. And, you know, what's interesting is that, and this is, you know, and I never talk a lot about 
when I played, like this crazy stories, because everybody wants to talk about, well, when I played, we did this and that. But, I, you know, I have people younger than me that are just not curious about basketball anymore. And it's because of the style of play. It's because of of, of this non-defense, this, this uh, crazy three-point shots, this not playing together, this individual play. Uh, it's, it's not as much fun. So, uh, and that's not coming from me. That's coming from a lot of people who were big basketball fans. They just don't watch. They don't watch anymore. Right. So, um, it's, it's just maybe an end of an era. Just like it could be an end of an era. They, there may be no more dynasties because of free agency. Uh, all that's over. So it's just, it's just like everything that, that evolves. But, uh, um, this may be the, the uh, end of importance right now um, to uh, USA basketball and Olympic basketball until something bad happens for guys to come back. And maybe that's what it takes. That's what it did before. Uh, being embarrassed, losing, uh, everybody wanted to come back in and, and show us. So I don't know. Maybe we have to learn a lesson. You know, Bill, it seems like everybody's always trying to point to one thing for why things are the way they are. Is it that simple when you look at USA basketball and international play? Because some people will just say, well, the world's caught up to us. Some people say, well, there's different rules in the Olympics and the international game that they don't necessarily have in the NBA. You mentioned the pride of other places. Other players from other countries are asked, would you rather win an NBA championship or uh, or an Olympic gold medal? And some of those players from other countries will say an Olympic gold medal. I don't know how many USA players would say that because they're all playing for the money and everything else. So is it one thing or is it just a combination of everything, the perfect storm, where right now the rest of the world is catching up, but there's a lot of other factors involved as well? Well, I think that, you know, it is a lot of it, a lot of different things, I believe. But uh, – but you gotta want to play. You know, Kevin Durant's playing a lot. We have this, there's a lot of stars not playing for whatever reason. It's not important to them, and it's just interesting that um, those other guys. And why I mention them? Those guys need to be recruited because it's not important to them right now. Not right now. Maybe later on it will be. And and like I said, maybe it's gonna take losing and 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 being embarrassed um, before we step up and that is important again because you know we've been so dominant basketball is our sport we can't beat anybody at soccer it's not our sport basketball is our sport how do you uh, feel no. how do you feel about kevin love being on this roster um uh, i think it's interesting <laughs> Come on, man! Don't sugarcoat it. No, I'm no. I don't have to sugarcoat it. I I, I think there's younger guys. I think there's, there's there's better players. But look, why does Kevin Love want to play? <laughs> why 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 does he want to play? At least he wants to play. Yeah, that's that's why he's on the roster. He wants to play. Those other guys don't want to play. So, you know, I really can't bash the guy because the guy wants wants to represent his country. No, I'm not bashing the guy. And I don't think you're bashing the What's guy. The bottom line is you, you bash, I'm bashing the system. I'm bashing about we're reaching out and, we're you know, people are supposed to buy this. Hey, he's got experience. He's won a gold medal before. 
and he's going to you know tutor some of these younger players. I mean, that's that's just nonsense. They're looking to fill roster spots. They've got eight guys on this team right now. They got eight guys, and they're waiting for three more guys. And those three guys are Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, and what Brooke Lopez. These guys are not going to be difference makers. So the the product that we're seeing in these exhibition games now, it's going to be the same thing. It's not like I said, hey, Steph Curry and, and, and the gang, they're, they're they're coming to Tokyo to to rescue us, so we'll just buy time, so no need to press the panic button here. It's not like those three guys are going to to push USA over the top. Now, are they going to win a medal? I sure hope so. I think everyone thinks they better. Are they going to win the gold medal? Of course, they're still the favorite to do it, and they should, as you say. There's still plenty enough talent. But when you look at the roster, I'm just saying it is the worst roster that I can remember that Team USA has put together. And again, it's it's when Bradley Beal is your your number two guy, and then we're, you're asking, uh, you know, Kevin, Dur- or you're asking Kevin Durant and specifically Draymond Green to get boards. I mean, there is no inside presence here. I know that's got to irritate you. There is no rebounding whatsoever. When you're getting out-rebounded by, by seven to Australia and you're getting uh, outscored by 20 points, 42 to 22 in points in the paint, th- that has never happened before for a Team USA team. Never. Well, well let me ask you. Uh, I see Draymond Green there. Uh, and look, to me... If you don't want to play, you don't have to play. But but where where is Steph Curry? Doesn't want to play. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm taking shots at him. Yeah, they, they, these guys don't want to play because that's the way the system is. But it's so funny because Rudy Gobert and these other guys that, that are, have played deeper into the playoffs uh, than Steph Curry and some of these other guys, they're playing, and it goes back to, of course, it's, it means a lot to them to do it. So I'm just not buying the, hey, I need the vacation you know, time here. But again, it's the roster. And I guess if you're Jerry Colangelo, you're putting together this roster, you got to do a better job of, of, of getting the right guys. And again, maybe you got to go back, like you said, to make it important again. And then we had this argument, you know, 10 years ago, a couple of Olympiads ago, when we started to see guys taking time off again, it's like, uh, I'm tired and that sort of thing. You just, you got to find the right guys that want to be there. And, but then again, you got to have some inside play, you got to have some wing play. You got to have some point guard play, and it just seems like that they're short on all areas here. That's that's what yeah. I mean. So, so, so let me ask you: If LeBron is not playing, who's been who's hurt, and, and Steph, who was dragging into the playoffs, if they're not playing, why why does why would anybody else want to play? Huh? That's terrible to think. It's like, a, hey, you going to join this team? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I am. So, yeah, you're going to play? Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm out. I mean, that's – I can't – we're really like we're talking about joining the AAU team or a pickup team here. It is ridiculous that we're, that we're actually – this is our mindset for our country's national basketball team. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. To me, if guys are hurt, they don't feel like they can, they can play. They shouldn't be playing. But I'm just saying that. If you're if you're gonna hold guys responsible, you gotta hold the best guys responsible uh, to play. Yeah, so I agree. If, yeah. If, you, if you can't recruit those guys, why is anybody else playing or, or care about playing? Hey, like I said, there, there's a myriad of, of problems here with this the way this organization is is gone. Hey, do you, do you buy this stuff when people like LeBron come out and say that? 
the reason that there were injuries in the NBA playoffs all over the place this year was because of the quick turnaround after the bubble and everything. And some of the players, and I think he's one that basically said, I'm not going to the Olympics because I'm just burnt out. I, I, I am beat up right now. It hasn't been the normal season the last couple of years. Everything's different. And they're, they're basically saying, I've played too much basketball and I need a break from it. He would have had a month off before he would have started practicing. But I'm, I'm just saying but that's one yeah. of his reasons. I know. I know. Or yeah. some would say excuses. Yeah. And he said that before you know uh, they got eliminated in the playoffs. Right. He thought, oh, you know, yeah, by the time we make a run. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. But, but, but we don't know. For me, we don't know. I don't know if he's hurt or not. And, and if you're hurt, you're hurt. You can't play. So, and, and look. This is something that nobody has to play. Nobody's being forced to play. It just it just is what it is. So, but but I'm just saying, if if, if you're going to hold uh, people responsible, you got to hold the best players responsible. And and to me, those guys have got to be recruited. And that starts two years ago. Getting those guys, getting those guys uh, uh, coming to the game and having some enthusiasm for it. So. Um, it is what it is. Hopefully, we'll get those guys back. Hopefully, those guys find themselves. Hopefully, they'll be able to guard somebody. They're beating uh, Argentina right now. And uh, uh, discover what kind of team they can create in a short period of time. But uh, this is the team we have. And uh, are they talented enough to win? I think so. I think they're, I think they're talented. And look, it's like anything. Uh, it's not like I'm, I still think our guys are talented. I I don't think we're the other teams are as talented as us individually. So it's going to be us to be able to find ourselves as a team, and we we can do it. We still got plenty. Let's see what happens. All right, uh, Bucks tomorrow night. They're going to even it up. Game number four. Um, the Bucks found the formula. Finally, they uh, early they went, they attacked inside, they created foul situation. Uh, and to me, that's the key. You've got to be able to attack them early at the basket, create mismatch situations, and then now to me that that throws your team off for the entire game. That's exactly what happened. That's the formula. Um, what did the um, you know, Phoenix score what a hundred points for the game. Yep, and and that's what you got to do. You got to be able to guard, keep a team run a hundred, and it's going to be a Milwaukee's game. If they go back at that ridiculous style they were playing earlier, just uh, throwing the ball up the floor and not guarding anybody, not being aggressive, uh, they're going to have trouble. So uh, we we've seen it. We we know the formula now. So here we go. All right. Hey, did you watch any of the uh, American Century Classic Golf Tournament uh, up at Tahoe? One of our favorite courses there at Edgewood. Watch it over the weekend. Uh, I tuned that in for a very short period of time. Uh, <laughs> it, it was interesting. They they have all brands of golf. You know, when they started that thing, I was invited to go down golf um, down there. And... Uh, I did not uh, uh, take him up on that because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a summer hacker. But uh, um, people seem to love they love that they they really do. There's some there's some really good golfers there. There were ex players, and there's uh, there's there's still crummy ones guys that play like me. So so is that why you declined because you didn't think you could hang? No, 
No, you know, to me, I, I play golf for a reason. One, for fun. Two, to support a cause. So uh, I'm not, I'm not digging, uh, you know, to hang around a bunch of people and, and you know, just be gogged at to play golf. It's uh well, you know what you that's, that's, that's not my you, you and Vinny Del Negro for this are are the same way because Vinny Del Negro won the tournament, but he didn't even get the check because he's an amateur, and so John Smoltz, who finished second, got his got his hundred twenty five grand. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's 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 sewing. You know, I mean golf golf for a lot of those guys, and you know, uh, and, and congratulations to those guys. You know, Vinny Vinny's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so if, if, if you can benefit others by playing golf, uh, God God bless you, because uh, most of us stink. <laughs> so especially you can come out and play, really? People are going to watch yeah, you. I'm, so. not, I'm not playing golf with you anymore. You stink. I don't want to play with the guys that stink. You know? Yeah, yeah. You and I stink. <laughs> Think about it. But one of the worst golfers out there. One of the worst golfers out there. Charles Barkley's one of the worst there is, and people love to watch him golf. He actually beat like eight guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That'll let you know how bad they are. All right, brother. Be good. Uh, watch the baseball night, All Star game, and then game four tomorrow night, NBA Finals. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, guys. Adios. There he is, Big Bill Cartwright. I want to thank him for joining us today, Steve Sachs as well. And uh, check out uh, the podcast on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes. It's all there. And, of course, the website. Go check it all out. The blogs, the articles, the interviews. It's all there. TCMartinShow.com. Including sex, sex in the city? <laughs> sex in the morning? Oh, Coming to a, a city near you? I love a good sax. <laughs> love some sax. Mm, yeah. What's that?